Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. I encourage you to continue to pray for the situation in Paris. Uh, We live in some very uncertain times. And, uh, you know, we as a church family, we as Christ followers, uh, need to be praying on a regular basis for our Lord to return and for him to, to fix the many things that are broken in our world. Well, if you are new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are in week two of a series called Margin. And what we're trying to learn in this series is something that most of us are in desperate need of. We desperately need it physically. We need it mentally. We need it emotionally. We need it spiritually. We are in need of of this stuff called margin or breathing room or extra space to think and, and have uninterrupted time. Like you remember when you had that? No, but yeah, you don't remember? Okay, glad you're here because we're going to talk about how we can have that. Now, last week, somebody asked me to define margin in this series. So I'd love to, to start off today by doing that. So the definition that I'm using this morning for margin is this. It's the amount available beyond what is necessary. So it's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Here's some examples of that definition. If you have, let's say, $900 worth of bills and you have $1,000 in your bank account, you have $100 worth of margin. If you have $900 worth of bills and you have $800 in your bank account, guess what? You have no margin, right? None at all. Uh, In a time category, if it takes you 15 minutes to get to work and you leave 30 minutes before you need to get there, you have 15 minutes worth of margin. If you have 15 minutes to get to work and you leave five minutes before you need to get there, guess what? You have no margin and you might not have a job when you get to work, if that's your pattern. Uh, Now, margin affects all of our lives, not just time, not just money. It affects us emotionally. You know, people who don't have emotional margin, like maybe you're in that spot or maybe you know somebody else in that spot. Think about how they behave when you have no emotional margin. We blow up at things that we shouldn't blow up at. We get irritated at, at minor things and we have this very short fuse and we take it out on everybody else around us and don't point at anybody you think who doesn't have emotional margin if they're sitting next to you. So a margin or the lack of margin affects all of our lives. It affects us emotionally. It affects us mentally. It affects our calendars. It affects our relationships. It affects our relationship with God. It affects our health. It affects so many aspects of our lives. So learning how to live with margin is something that God, I believe, wants us to learn how to do. Now, if you're new with us, you may be wondering, like, what's up with the stage? Are we moving? Is this a a promotion for our prep team? That'd be a great idea, right? This is a promotion for our prep team. Like, we would love to have you involved in our prep team. Okay, so it's not just promotion for our prep team, even though we would love to have you involved in our prep team. Our stage represents our lives without margin, And many of us have our lives that look like this. Now, our our stage looks a little cleaner than it did last week because each week we're trying to clean it up just a little bit as we learn how to live with the margin that we need to learn how to live with. But many of our lives just get overwhelmed, get overloaded. We put too many things in them and we start getting stressed out. Our lives look messy, look unorganized. And even my life can look like that. Even my life looks like, like my stage. And I told you last week that this is just a sample of what my garage looks like. My garage can look crazy and my life can look worse sometimes. And we can get to a spot where we don't even have time to do the stuff that we need to do, much less the stuff that we want to do because we don't have the margin 
that we need in our lives. So here's why this is so important. We cannot grow to be the people that God wants us to be if we're too busy. I just let that sink in for just a moment. We can't grow in our relationship with God if we don't have margin. Now, our minds fight against that. You know, we live in this, you know, consumeristic culture. We live in a, you know, push the button, get what you want kind of, kind of society. And you know, we would love to microwave spiritual maturity. We would love to be able to, you know, put a bag of, hey, what do I need today? Hey, a little bit of Bible reading. Let's put that in the microwave. Let's push the button. And wow, look, guess what? Three seconds later, it feels like we've spent three hours reading the Bible. Wouldn't that be great? We would love that. I would love that but we don't live in that kind of of a world in our relationship with God. So in order to grow a deeper relationship with God, we've got to slow down spiritual depth. The quality of our relationship with God does not happen in microwave moments. It happens when we slow down and we marinate in God's truth, where we have time to process, we have time to question, we have time to study, we have time to interact with other people around this subject, we have time to interact with our God, and we have time to apply what we're learning. So we've got to learn how to build more margin in our lives and fight against our desire to fill up our lives so that they are so overloaded and overwhelmed. We've got to fight against that on a regular basis. Now, here's a great thing about this series. You don't have to be a Christ follower to benefit from it. Now, if you'd say like, I don't know that I even really believe there's a God. I don't have a relationship with him. I'm just here because I lost a bet with somebody and I had to come to church today. Okay, I'm glad you're here. You can benefit from this series even if you don't believe in Jesus. God's got some incredible principles for all of us to apply to our lives and we can all benefit from them. Now, I truly believe a relationship with Jesus Christ can transform your life not only for today, but for all of eternity, but it's not a requirement for you to benefit from what we're talking about in this series. So I encourage you, just apply what we're learning and see what God can do with that in your own life. Now, for today, we're going to explore a Bible story found in Luke chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, feel free to, to grab that and turn it over to Luke chapter 10. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section as our free gift to you. You can grab one and, and take it. We'd love to, to make sure that everybody has a Bible. Now, um, this story that we're going to look at tells the story of two sisters. So we've got Mary and Martha. And there's some other characters in this story. Jesus in the, in the stories as well. His disciples are in this story. And, but we're going to focus on Mary and Martha and Jesus. So for Mary and Martha, one of these sisters creates margin in her life in a time when other people thought she shouldn't. And the other one didn't take advantage of margin that was available to her. And we're going to watch what happens in her life as it leads to frustration and a little bit of burnout. So here's kind of the backdrop of the story. So Jesus was really good friends with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And Jesus had his disciples. He was on a trip. They were on their way to Jerusalem. He was in a very busy ministry season. So he was leading his disciples up to Jerusalem for more ministry. And he decided to pull off in a little village called Bethany. That's where Mary and Martha lived. And he had an interaction. He leveraged a teachable moment uh, with them and his disciples. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, it captures it this way. 
As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, sister Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Now, when we're reading Bible stories like this, it's often very beneficial to try to put yourself in the story. So as I read Bible stories, I try to put myself like, what would this person think? What would this person feel? What would I be thinking in that moment? How would I respond? How would I react? And so today, I would like us all to pretend that we are Martha, okay? So we're Martha, we're in this story. We see Jesus, our friend, and his disciples going through our town. And this is a moment, like we don't always get to see Jesus. So, hey, we wanna see Jesus. And so we invite him over for dinner. And you gotta bring the 12 guys with you. Okay, that, that's fine, bring them all, all over. All right, now, these guys have been on a trip. Now, this isn't a road trip, you know, the way we would take road trip. This is a walking journey. So they are walking very dirty, dusty roads on their way to Jerusalem. So they show up at the house and guess what? They're dirty. And so the Bible text doesn't tell us this, but what was very customary in that day was to wash people's hands and wash people's feet before they would eat dinner. So there's a really good chance that Martha had someone do this or Martha did this herself, where she would get basins out, fill them with water, get towels out, she would wash Jesus and the disciples' feet to get them ready for dinner. So, I mean, think about that. I mean, think about the context of that. You invite a bunch of people over and you're going to wash their feet, okay? So, please take off your shoes. It's going to get a little messy. I got these basins. Here's water. Here's towels. Here's a big bottle of Germex because, ooh, I'm not sure what you touched. I mean, this is gross. So, she gets all this stuff out, cleans all these guys up, and then she's got to put it all away. So, so the basins into the, the kitchen. She's got the towels into the laundry room, big bottle of Germex. She's got to put it away on the shelf. So, she's got to do all this stuff to get them ready. And then she turns her attention to dinner, Okay, so imagine that you have invited 13 people over for dinner and you just saw them. You weren't quite expecting them for dinner. So there's a good chance that you're gonna have to go to the store and maybe get some more stuff. So as Martha, we might go to Publix. Okay, so we rush up to Publix and we're get some stuff. We throw, you know, some fixings in the, the, the grocery cart. We throw some ham in there, some spiral ham. Halfway up, we realize, like, we can't have ham, like we're Jewish. So you got to put that back, you know, and then, and then maybe you go get some lamb, you know, you got to have all the right stuff. You know, this isn't going to be one of those, like, hey, let me see what's in their fridge and I can throw together for dinner. No, this is a big deal. Jesus is here. This is a big special moment. So this is going to be like Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner before, you know, Christmas was here or Thanksgiving, but this is a big deal. So you get all your stuff and you rush home. All right, so you put all your stuff away. You've got the lamb that's got to go in the oven. You've got the fixings that's got to go on top of the stove. You, you, know, you maybe serve a few appetizers. You refill a few drinks as people are out socializing, interacting. On your 10th drink refill, okay, you look over and you see your sister, Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, what are you thinking? Would you think, oh, isn't that so great? You know, my sister... She's been so busy lately, 
And good for her. She took some time for margin. She slowed down a little bit. Like, that's great. Would you think that? I wouldn't. I would think what Martha thought. I would think, get off your backside and get over here and help me. Can't you tell I'm doing everything by myself? I mean, that's typically how I feel at my house, like those moments. I told you last week, those moments when I have to clean the garage every few months, you know, and my kids avoid me, my wife avoids me, my dog doesn't want to look at me because it's garage cleaning day, and I'm going to go through and I'm going to clean everything. So I'm cleaning everything, and for me, I get distracted by anything and everything. I'm cleaning the garage. I walk in the house. Ooh, the house got to be clean too. So I start working on that. I see something out in the backyard. I go in the backyard, and I start working on that. So I'm flying around doing all kinds of stuff, and if I I walk through our living room, and if I see one of my kids watching TV, I blow a gasket. I, I get irritated when I watch somebody else having margin, when I would like to have margin. You know, my kids are great kids, and they help out around the house. They do all kinds of great things. But when I'm stressed out and I don't have margin, it irritates me to watch other people enjoying it. And here's what I think. If you would just help me then I could enjoy some of that margin that you're enjoying as well. Anybody else feel that way? Great, thank you. I'm, I'm not alone. So I'm going to read into this story just a little bit because we're not exactly sure how this happened, but it appears that Martha confronted Mary in front of everyone. It appears that happened. Might have happened. She might have had a private conversation with Jesus. Not sure, but just imagine that she walks up to everyone who's enjoying some margin, Okay, so they're all gathered around. They're all listening to Jesus teach. You know, this is a powerful moment. And she walks up and says, interrupts Jesus, interrupts everyone and says, but Lord, do you think it's fair? Like, do you, really, do, do you think it's fair? Does it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Would you tell her to come and help me? Can you hear a little emotion that maybe she would have had? I'm sure I would have. One of the reasons I love reading the Bible is it's so real. You know, when you read the Bible, you see somebody like Martha. Here she is. She's frustrated. And she felt what many of us would feel. She did what many of us would do. Now, the New International Version of the Bible captures Martha's question like this. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Doesn't it sound familiar? Doesn't it sound like a, a question maybe you've asked God? Maybe I've asked God. God, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm overwhelmed? I mean, I, I can't keep up with the pace at work. I can't, can't keep up with all the stuff they keep throwing on me. You know, God, don't you care? Maybe I'm a single parent and I, I'm trying to juggle all these demands and, and I just can't do it. God, don't you care? My, my house hasn't sold yet. I'm going farther in debt. Don't you care that my health continues to fail? Don't you care? I think a lot of us have asked God that question. So in this moment, Martha's not only upset with her sister Mary, but she's upset with Jesus. He's God in the flesh. Couldn't he tell that she needed help? I mean, he could have easily said, hey, let's all go in the kitchen and help Martha. But he didn't. He didn't do that. So here she is, frustrated with Mary and Jesus. And then Jesus gives this amazing response. So listen again to his response. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. I love how gentle 
Jesus is with her in this moment. I mean, he could have easily scolded her, but he didn't. He lovingly pointed her back towards his truth. And he says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. So what was Jesus saying here? Was Jesus saying that it was wrong for her to make a nice meal? No, he wasn't saying that. Was Jesus saying it was foolish of her to serve the way that she was serving? I don't think he was saying that either because shortly after this, Jesus would wash his disciples' feet at the Last Supper so he would serve the way that Martha was serving. So I don't think Jesus was bothered by that. Was Jesus saying, hey, we should all sit around with our Bibles open uh, waiting for God to magically make dinner in the kitchen or get our work done at the office? I don't think Jesus was saying that either because he knows we've got to eat, we've got to prepare meals, we've got to do chores, we've got to go to work. He understands that. So what was he saying? I think he was saying at least several things. There's a multitude of things that that could be wrapped up in the context of Jesus' statement here, but there's a couple of things I'd like us to look at this morning. And the first thing is this. The attitude we serve with matters. I think the attitude that we serve with matters. So serving others is a big deal to our God. I mean, it's a big deal. It should be a hallmark for us as Christ followers. It should be one of the things that people can look at us and say, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? And you say, why? Well, because the way you serve, you serve like Jesus would serve. So serving is a big deal. But what's a bigger deal than that is the attitude that we serve with. So if we are serving with a bad attitude, it would be better if we didn't serve. It'd be better in that moment if we didn't serve. But better than that, it would be even better for us to fix our attitude so we can serve the way that Jesus serves us. Someone once said, you can tell if you have a servant's heart by how you respond when someone treats you like a servant. What a great test. What a great test to see how much of a servant's heart we really have. When someone treats you like a servant, do you humbly respond Or do you power up and go, well, hey, I'm just serving because, you know, I wanted to do it in a moment, wanted to get some brownie points with me and my God. Like, like what motivates you in your serving? Do you serve humbly with a humble spirit? We can tell a lot when somebody treats us like a servant. And I can't say that I always respond the way that I should, but the attitude that we serve with really matters. And here's another thing I think Jesus was saying. We're going to focus on this for the rest of our time. I think he was saying this, don't let good things keep you from better things. Don't let good things, Martha, don't let good things keep you from better things. In that moment, the better thing for Martha was to spend time with Jesus. I mean, sitting at Jesus' feet, she didn't get these opportunities very often. So the better thing was for her to sit and listen and learn, create margin like her sister did, to learn from Jesus. That was better than making a meal for Jesus. If you think about it, uh, Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. I mean, he easily could have handled this dinner party of 20 people, you know, whipped up some fish tacos or some lamb kebabs. I mean, I don't know. It would probably be amazing. But like Martha missed out on that opportunity. Why? Because she was so distracted by creating a meal. It was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing, but she let a good thing keep her from a better thing. And that's the reality for all of us. That can happen for all of us. We all can let good things 
keep us from better things. And here's what's dangerous about good things is they can be worse than bad things. See, the bad things in our lives, we can identify pretty easily. We can look at that and go, well, that's a bad thing. I shouldn't be involved in that. And even if we are involved in it, even if it's hard to get out of our lives, we all can understand, you know, that's a bad thing. I shouldn't be involved in it. But identifying good things that can keep us from better things can be so difficult to identify because they're good things. Like, hey, should you be cooking a meal? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing. And so I'm sure Martha could have argued with us in that moment. Like, this is a really good thing. Like, why are you saying I shouldn't be involved in that? But again, good things can keep us from better things if we're not careful. Here's an example of that. I think something that applies to most of us. If you work, you have a family, you have friends, you understand the tension that all that can create. So you need to work to provide for yourself. You need to work to provide for your family. But at the same time, what do we want? We want to spend time with our family. We want to spend time with our friends. And in our overworked society, we can work way too much And we can take a good thing of work and we can turn it into a bad thing of overworking and it can keep us from a better thing of of time, maybe with our family, time with our friends, maybe time for ourselves, that margin that that we so desperately need. So we've got to be careful that we don't let good things become bad things that keep us from better things. And in and, and the work tension for all of us, we get caught in this cycle where uh, I'm sure many of us can identify with this, where we're at work, guess what we're thinking about? Home. When we're at home, guess what we're thinking about? Work. And so we're never where we really should be because we're always somewhere else trying to figure out how do I get that done? How do I get this done? And the, and the cause of all that is we don't have enough margin. We're way too busy. This is something that I wrestle with in my life on a regular basis. And I know uh, most people have no clue what pastors do like during their week. Like a lot of people think that I I work one day a week on Sunday or I work um, a few hours on Sunday morning and then I spend the rest of my week golfing or maybe fishing. And uh, I've got a friend in my small group, uh, he's a golf pro locally, and he can attest that I don't spend time on the golf course because I'm a terrible golfer. And when I do golf with him, he's like, you need to be out here more often. So for me, I can end up working 55, 60 hours a week feeling like I've got so much to do. I've got to keep doing it. I've got message prep. I've got meetings. I've got appointments with people. I've got hospital visits. I've got phone calls. I've got emails. I've got all this stuff. You know, I think the stuff that we all feel, I've got so much stuff. And I can allow a good thing of work to become a bad thing of overworking that keeps me from a better thing. And that could be more time with God, I could be more time with my family. I could be more personal time. So that can happen to all of us. And I regularly have conversations with God about my schedule, about keeping work and home in their proper balance, in their proper place. And I'm sure many of us can identify with that struggle, that tension between work and having time for family, friends, or even ourselves. Now, again, this is so difficult to identify. And if we're talking about bad things, we all could go, yep, that's a bad thing, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. But when we're talking about good things that keep us from better things, it's hard to figure out. So I've got some questions that I'd like to ask you, just kind of rhetorical questions I'd like you to just process through with me to help you identify. Like, is, is there an area in the questions that I'm asking that where you're letting a good thing keep you from a better thing? So for you, 
Are you letting your overworking keep you from a better thing? Are you working too much? Are you working too much? How about this? Is your kid's schedule keeping you from a better thing? Are your kids involved in so many extracurricular activities that you don't have the margin that you need personally or your family needs? Are your kids involved in too many things? Are there any relationships that you're involved in that even though they're good relationships maybe, maybe they're keeping you from a better relationship? Maybe are you dating someone that you'd say, you know, they're not a bad person, but maybe they're not helping me to live the life that, that God wants me to live? Or maybe you've got some friends that you would say, you know what, you know, they've been friends for a long time since high school, but maybe several of those friends really don't help me become the person I want to be. They don't help push me towards Jesus. I actually feel a little bit pulled away from Jesus. So, so I'm, I'm not sure. So are there a, any relationships that you're involved in that they're keeping you from a better relationship? Here's one that's tricky. Are you involved in a hobby that even though it's a good thing for you, maybe it's keeping you from something better? Now, this is difficult because hobbies are one of those things that help to build margin in our lives and they help to fill us up in our, our relationship with God and our, our personally, so they can be really good things. But out of balance, they can become bad things. So for me, here's a hobby that I love. Um, I love to spend time outside. I love to, to hike and be out in nature. I and mean, I feel most connected with God when I'm out in the woods. Uh, one of the things related to that for me is I love to hunt. Uh, so I like to hunt deer season. I love turkey season in the spring. I just love that. Uh, and one of the things that I discovered years ago is that hunting could be a good thing that becomes a bad thing that keeps me from a better thing. And so I got to a spot that I had to have an honest conversation with my wife. And I had to say to her, listen, if hunting gets in the way of our marriage, it has to go. And I mean, hunting has to go, not my marriage has to go, okay? Like, <laughs> just make sure we're on the same page, okay? All right? So I want my wife to know that she is more important to me than going out in the woods and hunting. She's way more important to me than that. Now, have I ever had to give up hunting? No, I never have. Have I had to put it in its proper place and in balance and perspective? Are there times I've decided not to, to do that because I felt like it was keeping me from a better thing? Yeah, there are moments I've chosen that. Um, but again, this is, this is tricky. It's hard to identify this. But do you have a hobby? Is there something you're involved in that may be keeping you from a better thing? Are you so busy with good things that you've convinced yourself you don't have time for God or things that are important to him? Are you so busy? So like, I just don't have time to pray. I don't have time really to, to attend church very often. I don't have time to get involved in a small group. I don't have time to, to serve. And here's the interesting thing about that. Good things can keep us from God things and that decision can affect us for all of eternity. So are you too busy for God and things that are important to him? Jesus told Martha, there's only one thing worth being concerned about and that was having our priorities in their proper place, where God is in his proper place, where family and friends are in their proper place, where work is in its proper place, where hobbies are in their proper place, where everything is in its proper place. 
Now, I, I wish that this Bible story continued. I'd love to know how this conversation ended or what happened at the end of this, you know, conversation between Jesus and Martha. I mean, did, did Jesus say to everybody, okay, everybody, let's go in the kitchen and help finish dinner? I mean, it seems like something Jesus might do. I'm not sure. Did Jesus uh, miraculously make dinner appear? You know, those fish tacos. I mean, did it just appear, the lamb kebabs? Because while Martha was complaining, everything burned in the kitchen? Like, I don't know. We're not exactly sure. But I guarantee you that Martha never forgot the teachable moment that happened there. I guarantee you, she never forgot the lesson that Jesus was teaching. And I think we should never forget it as well because God never wants good things to get in the way of better things. So here's that homework exercise I was telling you about earlier. In order to make sure that our priorities are in their proper place, uh, many of us have to pause in our lives and we have to look at our calendar. We have to look at the things that we've agreed to do, the things that, are invo- that we are regularly, regularly, sorry, apparently it's a hard word for me, the things that we're involved in on a regular basis. We've got to look at our calendars and we've got to, to make some bold decisions. We've got to decide, like, hey, are the better things that I want to be involved in, the better things that God wants me to be involved in, are they in my calendar? And then I've got to look at my calendar and say, what are the good things that I'm involved in that might be keeping me from these better things? And this is difficult to do, again. So what I've done is I've put on the back of our spiritual growth challenge a, a, an exercise where you can practically look at your calendar. And it'll require some time. It really will. It'll require conversations between you and God, with yourself, with other people. You might want to invite other people into the process of looking at your calendar and helping you determine like, hey, like, am I allowing a good thing to keep me from a better thing? One of the things that my wife does so uh, regularly in my life and, and does so well is she communicates, speaks into my life about those kind of things. Often she can see things in my calendar that I can't see. And she can say, hey, is that the best thing for you? That thing you're involved in, it's a good thing, it really is. But is that a better thing? Or is it just a good thing kind of in in the way of a better thing? So you might wanna invite somebody else into that conversation. So if you are, uh, for those of you who are courageous enough to do that this week, I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center. Before you leave, you can pick up one of our spiritual growth challenges. On the back is that practical exercise that you can work through this week. Or you can download it from our website later today as well. Now, as we end today, our worship team is gonna come out and they're gonna guide us through a song called Simplicity. A great song for us in the context of what we're learning in this series. So what I encourage you to do is turn this song into a prayer. Start a conversation with God today and say, God, like, I really want to examine my life. I don't want to just let good things get in the way of better things. I really want to be able to stand before you, give a a full account of my life and the decisions that I've made, and I want to be involved in better things. So let's pray together, and then we'll sing. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for, Lord, this story in scripture. You give us so many amazing stories in scripture that are so beneficial to us. And Lord, I'm I'm thankful for this one because this one's such a hard one for us to see. It's so hard for us to determine when we're allowing a good thing to keep us from a better thing. And God, we need your help. We need your eyes. We need your thoughts on this. We need you to, to speak into our calendars, to speak into our lives and help us to see when there's a good thing, like, like Martha was involved in it, preparing dinner, it was a great thing, but she was missing out on a better thing that she could have been involved in. So Lord, for all of us, 
That same thing is true for, for each and every one of us here today. We can be involved in good things that keep us from better things. So Lord, speak into our lives, I pray. And help us to identify those things and give us the boldness to make the decisions we need to make to be involved in better things and not just good things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you guys, Trent here, and I'm outside of the Habitat for Humanity offices in Flagler County, and they are the organization that builds homes for very deserving families in our community. We are about to go inside and give them a check from your generosity. Because you gave on 3G Sunday, we can support them in what they do in our county. So let's go inside and do that. So hey everybody, this is Lindsay, the executive director at Habitat for Humanity. And Lindsay, it's a privilege for us to be here today. And um, one of the aspects of 3G Sunday that we had this year was a giving component. So we challenged our people to step beyond giving of their time and their talents, but to give of their financial resources as well. And this is a result of that. And we wanted to give this to you guys for the job that you do in our community. And just to let you know that we are for you and God is for you, and we're so excited about what you're doing. Thank here in you our county. so much. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Your support year round, and especially on 3G Sunday, impacts Flagler Habitat for Humanity and the lives of so many families in our community. It's, it's unbelievable. We share the impact that your one day has on our community and our affiliate and so many lives. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you to all of the Epic supporters who have made this possible. It is, oh, we've had quite a morning here. This is unbelievable. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm Sarah and we're here outside of Alpha Pregnancy Center and we are about ready to surprise them with a check made possible because of your generosity. Hey, Martha, we're so excited to be with you today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. And you know, at 3G Sunday, the big part of what we do is serve, but we added a new component, and that is challenging our people to give to some of our partners in the community who are do doing an amazing work. And Alpha is one of those partners that we just wanted to support and let you know we are for you. So here is a check awesome. from our people for Alpha. Thank you so much. Large gifts like these um, help us to be able to purchase um, car seats. That's one thing that we can't get donated in because um, by law we have to have brand new car seats to mm -hmm. give out. A lot of times people bring in a specific set of of you know sizes of clothing or sizes of diapers and that might not be what we need at that exact moment sure so this this check will go to um, be able to help us purchase the car seats and the size diapers that we need you've supported us so much in the past and you've helped our thrift store and you've helped our center and we know that if there is ever a need that we can go to you because you are for us you are one of the people the partners we really wanted to support and bless you guys with that today awesome I really appreciate it absolutely hey guys this is Cody I'm out in front of Grace Community Food Pantry. I'm getting ready to go in to give Pastor Charles a check because of your generosity. So Pastor Charles, I know you guys have been around in the community for quite a while now. Can you tell us some of the things that you've done here in the community or that you're currently doing some of the programs? Of course we do We do this place here where you guys so graciously help us and we love having you. It's. Um, uh, you know, almost about 3,000 families a month. We are doing the wow. Team Feed Flagler uh, e event as well. We'll hand out about 750 boxes with a turkey in it this year. That is great. Yeah. So this year we got to partner with you during 3G Sunday. So we got two of the elements. So they were able to give of their time and their talents. Then they went out into the community and they did really well. Mm -hmm. But this year we took it a step further. 
and we asked them to step it up and we asked them to give of their resources this year. We decided um, to give our partners, a couple of partners that we have, a gift. So we actually have a gift for you wow. from Epic Church wow. family, um, <laughs> directly for you. So Whoa. if you could just go ahead and open that up. Okay. Epic Church family. Wow. <laughs> wow. You have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. Really great. We're so generous. Thank you so much. This will this will uh, buy about uh, close to five tons of food. Wow. Ten thousand pounds. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. That is I, awesome. I mean, that's just amazing. This is just, just awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad I lost words. I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. Very very generous. Isn't that incredible? Because of your generosity through 3G Sunday, we were able to help support these partners who are doing amazing work in our community. So thank you so much for giving. You gave $4,300 to these partners. Yes, give yourselves a hand. Way to go. You gave so generously and you served so generously through 3G Sunday. So thank you very much. Well, welcome to Epic. Good morning. We are so glad that you are here this morning. I'm Sarah, and I have a few announcements for us this morning. If you are a guest with us, we are so glad that you are here. We would love to meet you personally and answer any questions that you may have about Epic. So on the other side of the curtain, there is a connection center. So please swing by there on your way out. There'll be someone there who can answer any questions that you may have and give you information about Epic. Well, this morning, we wanted to give you another update about the results of your giving. If you remember last spring, there was a huge earthquake in Nepal, killing thousands of people and injuring thousands more. And you generously gave $3,000 to the relief work there in Nepal. And that was given through ServeNow Organization, a great organization that works in Nepal. And they sent us some pictures and updates regarding the results of your giving and the results of giving of other churches here in America too. And they were able to provide relief for 3,000 families, 12,000 people through your generosity. Over 57,000 pounds of rice was distributed as well as other materials. And they were able to share the hope of Jesus with many people as well. And several people put their faith in Jesus for the first time through their work. So thank you for being a part of bringing hope not only here locally, but around the world as well. Well, we've been talking about another way that we can be generous this Christmas season here close to home, and that is through our epic giving tree. And we've been asking you the last few weeks to refer families to the tree, and you guys have responded in an incredible way. We have 43 families referred to the tree this year. So way to go. That is more families than we've ever had before. So in the next couple weeks, in the back, there's going to be a tree with cards with needs on it. And so we want to ask you to consider taking a bunch of cards over the next couple of weeks, not one or two, but a bunch, to help meet these needs of families here in our church and locally, because we want to show these families that God is for them during this Christmas season. Through your generosity, God is using you and Epic to touch people here locally and around the world. And that is what we are all about, to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you want to continue to partner with us financially, there's a couple ways you can do so, either through the giving boxes behind each of the scene sections or online at theepicchurch.com. Well, before we continue on with our service, we want to take a moment together as a church family and pray for the people of Paris and Beirut who have suffered terrible terrorist attacks. I'm sure we've all seen the images over the weekend and our hearts have just gone out to them, to the families, to 
all the people who are hurting in those countries. So would you join with me this morning in praying for them? God, we praise you because you are our God. You are a strong God. You are a God of comfort, our God of peace. God, and we do pray for the people in Paris and in Beirut. Lord, would you bring comfort and peace to their lives, Lord, especially to the families of those who have lost loved ones. Would your peace and comfort be with them? Lord, for the victims who are still critically injured in the hospitals, Lord, would you give the doctors and medical teams wisdom of helping to heal their bodies? Would you restore them to full health and healing? We do pray that you would just bring your peace to those countries, to that area, Lord. Pray that you would um, just cause people to lift their hearts and their minds to you. And would you be their source of comfort and strength? And God, as we hear this morning an awesome message about margin, Lord, would you just speak to each of our hearts of what we need to hear and what we need to apply to our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.